Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Hussein Kamani. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of listeners, so the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting our efforts is endless. You never know who will be able to benefit from your donation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi al-lazhin ustafa. Khususan ala Sayyidi Rasuli wa Khatami al-Anbiya wa ala alihi al-Askiya wa ashabihi al-Atqiya. Amma ba'd. In our previous class, we discussed in detail the life and story of Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. There were different phases to Musa alayhi salam's life and we broke down the discussion in those phases and tried to discuss each one with as much as detail as appropriate for this class. After Sayyidina Musa salam passed away, his student was granted nubuwa by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and became the successor of Sayyidina Musa salam. Bear in mind, that Musa salam passed away while the Banu Israel roamed the Wadi Ti, the valley they were lost in. And it was during this period that Harun salam passed away and Sayyidina Musa salam also passed away. They were bound to this valley because they refused to abide to a command given to them by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that command was to go and fight for the sacred land. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed that every person that was a part of the rejection of Allah's command would pass away and leave. And then now with this new generation of young folks who did not live in slavery in Egypt, who are not a part of this group of people who refused to stand side by side with Musa alayhi salam, a new group of people who were tired of roaming these, this desert for such a long period, they joined the student of Musa alayhi salam, whose name was Yusha bin Noon alayhi salam. The scholars differ in opinion whether Yusha was granted Nabuwa or not, even though majority of the Muslim scholars hold the opinion that Yusha alayhi salam was a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that Yusha alayhi salam was granted victory against the opposition. And not only was he granted victory, but this victory was contingent on the battle ending before the day ended. There were some circumstances, and the, 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 the sun was just about to set, and they were so close to winning that there are narrations that tell us that Yusha bin Noon made dua to Allah, Ya Allah, hold the sun back so we can have victory. And the narrations state that the sun, it stopped in its place the army of Yusha bin Noon gained victory, and then the sun set, which is from the miracles of Yusha alayhi salam. Now, Yusha alayhi salam, with him he had a, a box or a trunk you can call. Um, the Quran refers to it as a tabut. And in this trunk, there were certain sacred relics. And I'll talk about these relics, what was actually in the trunk as we continue on today. 
Banu Israel considered this trunk to be very special. And they viewed it to be something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had gifted to them. And as long as this trunk was with them, they would continue to have victory. Banu Israel were now in the holy land that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had promised to them. They continued to live there, but as time passed on, Banu Israel started fighting amongst one another. There were 12 clans, and each clan claimed that they were superior to the other. So there was constant warfare occurring on who was worthy of leadership, who should be where, what should be doing, who should be doing what. There were these things that they kept fighting and arguing over, which led to a lot of internal war. Secondly, there was a lot of um, attention from the outsiders to Banu Israel. And there was a lot of warfare that occurred with people from outside Banu Israel as well. So there was internal and external warfare. Until a group of people came who ambushed and ransacked Banu Israel in this Al-Ard Al-Muqaddasa, this blessed land. And they basically destroyed them. They shed so much blood, so much blood of Banu Israel. Some say it was Bukht al-Nasr, others give other names to who these people actually were and who was their leader. But nonetheless, these people, they took Banu Israel and their leaders and put them into prison, sent them into exile. And once again, Banu Israel was removed from this beautiful holy land. It was during this period, because of the destruction they faced while they were leaving uh, their land, that their text was also destroyed. They lost the um, scripture of their text. Similarly, they lost control and possession of this tabut, this trunk that they had with these holy relics in it. It was at this time that Banu Yisrael were at an ultimate low, and they came to, they made dua to Allah to send them a prophet, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a prophet to them. This prophet that was sent to them, his name was Shamwil alayhi salam. He was the one person left in Banu Yisrael that actually had knowledge of the Torah because he had memorized it. The copies of the Torah were gone. Shamwil alayhi salam had actually memorized it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appointed him as a prophet. They asked Shamwil alayhi salam that we'd like to go into war against the people who took our land from us. Shamwil alayhi salam made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah blessed them with a general and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed them with a general too to guide them in war. Now before I continue, just a few points I want to, I want to um, make clear. The scholars have discussed a timeline between Musa salam and Shamwil salam. Some historians say the timeline between the two is around 350 years. Some say it was actually four full centuries, 400 years had passed by since the time of Sayyidina Musa salam. Regarding Shamwil salam, the scholars again differ in opinion on what his actual name was and who is this prophet that Allah is making reference to in the verses of Surah Al-Baqarah 246 onwards. And we'll cover those verses today. Some say Qila, huwa Shamwil bin Bal. Some say his name was Shamwil. Some say it wasn't Shamwil, rather his name was Shamun. Imam Suddi says it was... Um, Shamwil. Ibn al Some say, sorry, Ibn Suddi says um, it was Shamun. And Ibn uh, Suddi also says that 
Ibn al-Ajuz was his name. They gave him this title, Ibn al-Ajuz. Ibn al-Ajuz means the son of the one who was no longer capable. وَلِأَنَّ أُمَّهُ كَانَتْ عَجُوزًا فَسَأَلَتِ اللَّهَ الْوَلَدَ وَقَدْ كَبُرَتْ وَعَقِمَتْ فَوَهَبَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى لَهَا That she had reached an age where she was very old, she had become weak, she was no longer able to bear children. It was at this point in her life that she made dua to Allah, Ya Allah, bless me with a child. Therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed her with a son, and that son was named Shamuil. Others say his name was Shamu'un. Shamu'un actually comes from the word Samu'un. لِأَنَّهَا دَعَتِ اللَّهَ أَنْ يَرْزُقَهَا الْوَلَدَ فَسَمِعَ دُعَاهَا فَوَلَدَتْ غُلَامًا فَسَمَّتْهَا Samu'un. That she made dua to Allah, Ya Allah, bless me with a child. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heard her dua and accepted. And in Arabic, when you hear something, you call that Samia, which means to hear something. So she was named, she named her son Sam'un, the one that was heard by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, Samia Allah dua'i, because she said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heard my, uh, my dua. Wasinu tasiru sheen bi lughatil ibraniya. And the seen is turned into the letter sheen in the uh, Abrani language, therefore from Sam'un it becomes Shama'un. Some Mufassirun, like Qatada, they say that this Prophet mentioned in Surah Baqarah, in verse 246 onwards, was not um, Shamwil or Shama'un, rather it was Yusha' bin Nun. And if you recall, I told you earlier, that Yusha' bin Nun was a student of Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. وَقَالَ قَتَادَ هُوَ يُشَعْ بِالنُّونَ قَالَ إِبْنُ عَطِيَّةَ هَذَا ضَعِيفٌ Ibn Atiyah, he says that this is not probable, that the person mentioned in the Qur'an in these verses is uh, Yusha' bin Nun, because the period between these two incidents, Musa salam passing away in the verses mentioned in the Qur'an, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, reminds us, أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الْمَلَأِ مِنْ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مُوسَىٰ إِذْ قَالُوا لِنَبِيِّ اللَّهُ مُبَعَثْرَنَا مَلِكًا نُقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ This incident occurred much later on. And as I mentioned, the historians say there's a, hundred, a few hundred years between um, Talut marching with his army to face Jalut and Sayyidina Musa salam. So they say that the, 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 the opinion that this Prophet Allah is referring to in the Qur'an is Yusha bin Nun is a weak position as stated by Ibn Atiyah لِأَنَّ مُدَّةَ دَاوُودِ هِيَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مُوسَىٰ بِقُرُونِ مِنَ النَّاسِ وَيُشَعَ هُوَ فَتَى مُوسَىٰ Because the period between these two incidents is too massive, it's too great. And Yusha bin Nun was a student of um, Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. Now, Shamwila alayhi salam made dua to Allah, Ya Allah, the people wish to march to go and fight against the enemy and claim their land back. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appointed a general and that general's name is Talut. Now at this point, there's a second thing that we need to understand. In Banu Israel, there were always two different lines of leaders. There were those people whose responsibility was to guide people in war. They were people who took care of the government. These were people who took care of the affairs of the state. And then on the other hand, you had those leaders who were their spiritual and, um, and, and prophets. These were the spiritual leaders and these were their prophets. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to them their general, their spiritual leader was already Shamwil alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appointed their general. And that general who would lead them into war was a person by the name of Jalut. 
Now Jalut was from the children of Binyamin. His lineage came from Binyamin. He wasn't from the children who generally carried the blood of Nabuwa in them. Neither was he from the lineage that generally, killed, that generally carried mulk, um, kingdom in them. He was from a different line altogether. وَكَانَتِ فِي بَنِي وَالْمُلْكُ فِي سِبْتِ يَهُوذَا فَلِذَلِكَ أَنْكَرُوا And because he wasn't from either of these two tribes, Banu Israel immediately they rejected him. And this became a common theme in Banu Israel. They would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something, Allah would give it to them, they would reject it. We see this in the story of Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. They asked Allah for food, soon they asked for a change in menu. They asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to tell them who killed the person. When they asked regarding who killed the person from their family, Allah told them sacrifice a cow. They went on a long whim. They started creating excuses. So this became another one of those times where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them, you asked for a leader, here's your leader, now go. They immediately began to raise questions against this leader and the validity whether, a, whether this person was actually appropriate to be their leader or not. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَالُوا أَنَّا يَكُونُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ عَلَيْنَا وَنَحْنُ وَحَقُّ بِالْمُلْكِ مِنْهُ وَلَمْ يُؤْتَ سَاعَةً مِنَ الْمَالِ They raised some objections against Talut. Now originally, even before they were granted this general, Shamuil salam told them that I don't mind asking Allah for a general, but I have a feeling that when I ask Allah for a general to lead you into war, you guys are going to back out. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an. أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الْمَلَئِ مِنْ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مُوسَىٰ إِذْ قَالُوا لِنَبِيٍّ لَهُمُ بَعَثْرَنَا مَلِكًا نُقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِرِنَّا قَالَ هَلَا عَسَيْتُمْ إِنْ كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِتَالِ أَلَّا تُقَاتِلُوا He said that, is it possible, is it probable that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell you to fight and you guys will step away? أَلَّا تُقَاتِلُوا that you won't fight? They said, قَالُوا وَمَا لَنَا أَلَّا نُقَاتِلَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَقَدْ أُخْرِجْنَا مِنْ دِيَارِنَا وَأَبْنَائِنَا That why won't we fight? We've been, we've been taken out of our homes, sent into exile, our families have been killed, our children have been taken away from us. فَلَمَّا قُتِبَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْقِتَالِ Allah says, and when war was ordained upon them, when they were given their general and they were told to go to war, what happened? تَوَلَّوْا إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِنْهُمْ They turned away but a few. وَاللَّهُ عَلَيْمُ الظَّالِمِينَ Allah is fully aware of the oppressors. Now how did they turn away? They objected to the legitimacy of the one that Allah appointed. They said, the Prophet said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ بَعَثَ لَكُمْ طَالُوتَ مَلِكَ That Allah has appointed Talut as your general and leader, your king. They said, أَنَّا يَكُونُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ عَلَيْنَا How can he have dominion and kingdom, authority over us? وَنَحْنُ أَحَقُّ بِالْمُلْكِ مِنْ While we are more deserving of that kingdom than he is. وَلَمْ يُؤْتَ سَعَةً مِنَ الْمَالِ And he is not given abundance of wealth, he's a poor person. Talut was not a wealthy person. So who was this Talut? Talut, as I mentioned, was from the children of, uh, of, of Binyamin. He was someone that the scholars describe as being someone that wasn't necessarily very wealthy. He was actually a poor person who was skilled. He had his, uh, his, 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 his affair of how he earned his money and he had, a very, he had knowledge of a skill set that he was very good at and how he would bring money home and how he worked in people and he traded with people. But he wasn't someone who had some, um, some divine knowledge or neither was he someone that was greatly respected or had possessed a large amount of wealth. Now Banu Israel, they 
pointed out two things when they objected against Talut being appointed as their leader. They said that They pointed out two things. That his lineage isn't right and neither is he wealthy. His lineage isn't right, neither is he wealthy. We are from the, the, the lineage of kings and he is not. And this person is a poor person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, He then says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاهُ As Shamwil is telling the people, that all of your logic aside, all of your reasoning aside, you should accept this person because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appointed this person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selected this person. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selecting someone is al-hujja al-qati'ah. There is no argument after that. There is no raising of a voice after that. Once Allah says something, all is done. Once revelation comes down, there is no one that has a right to say anything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, um, that the believers, they do not have any say. وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةُ That once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordains something, once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals something, the believers, believing men and women, no longer have any place to come and speak and challenge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in the Qur'an, فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ فِيمَا شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ by Allah, they have not believed until they appoint you as a judge in those things that they differ in, those things that they have a conflict in. And then after they receive the verdict from you, they must not have any ill feelings towards your verdict. They must accept it wholeheartedly. They must fully submit to it. This is how the believer interacts with revelation. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selected, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاهُ عَلَيْكُمْ And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, وَزَادَهُ بَسْطَةً فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْجِسْمِ That yes, it's true, he's not from your lineage, and he doesn't have any large amount of wealth, but in return, the two things that he doesn't have, Allah gave him two things that actually matter. What are the two things that Allah gave him? زَادَهُ بَسْطَةً فِي الْعِلْمِ Allah increased him in knowledge while jism. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increased him in, uh, in, in strength and in power. Uh, and anyone who has these two things, anyone that has knowledge and the physical ability, this person now possesses the characteristics of being a leader. You have to be physically strong to be a leader. You have to have the knowledge of being a leader. فَتَضَمَّنَتْ بَيَانَ صِفَةِ الْإِمَامِ وَأَحْوَارِ الْإِمَامَ وَأَنَّهَا مُسْتَحِقَّةٌ بِالْعِلْمِ وَالدِّينِ وَقُوَّةٌ لَا بِالنَّسَبِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in this ayah, what are the characteristics of leadership? Characteristics of leadership are not confined to lineage that, uh, you know, the, the, the son of the president or the son of the king or the son of, of, a, of an imam. Because it's very possible that the person who's the son of a leader may have no knowledge at all. Look in Islamic history how many times we fell trap of this. That we made the son the leader and that son failed us. The leader may have been a good person. Muawiyah radiallahu anhu was a phenomenal person. He was a great sahabi who had tadbir and we say after his name, radiyallahu anhu radwan, because he was from the companions. But his son wasn't the same. Yazid bin Muawiyah was responsible. He was behind the murder of Hussein radiyallahu anhu. So just because you are connected to someone through blood, does not mean 
that leadership also continues on to that person as well. Rather, what we will look at is whether someone has knowledge or not. Because once a person has knowledge, now they will know how to guide people through their difficulties. They will know how to negotiate. They will know how to deal with politics, how to deal with other leaders. And if there's a need to go to war at a time where there is conflict that is not uh, resolved through statements, then this person has jism as well. They have the physical ability to go to war and fight as well. وَزِيَادَةُ الْجِسْمِ مِمَّا يُهِبُ الْعَدُو Ibn Abbas says, Ibn Abbas while commenting on this ayah, he says, كَانَ طَالُوتُ يَوْمَئِذٍ أَعْلَمَ رَجْلٍ فِي بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلٍ That Talut, that day, was the most knowledgeable of the people of Banu Israel. He was very knowledgeable. Now there's ikhtilaf on that, what kind of knowledge he had. I'll come to that. Okay? So, let's finish off Ibn Abbas statement. كَانَ طَالُوتْ يَوْمَئِذٍ أَعْلَمَ رَجْلٍ فِي بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلٍ وَأَجْمَلَهُ وَأَتَمَّهُ وَزِيَادَةُ الْجِسْمِ مِمَّا يُهِبُ الْعَدُوْ So Ibn Abbas says that that day, Talut was the most knowledgeable from them. And he was the most beautiful and most complete and the strongest from them. And his strength was such that if the enemy were to see him, they would have fear in their heart just by looking at him. وَقِيلَ سُمِّيَ طَالُوتْ لِطُولِهِ some scholars say that he was named Talut because he was a he was a tall person. وَقِيلَ زِيَادَةُ الْجِسْمِ كَانَتْ بِكَثْرَةِ الْمَعَانِ الْخَيْرِ وَالشَّجَاعَةِ وَلَمْ يُرِدْ عِذْمَ الْجِسْمِ That when they say that he was a strong person, this doesn't necessarily mean that he was strong in his physical presence, but rather it means that he was strong in his courage. زَادَهُ بَسَطًا فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْجِسْمِ Meaning that he wasn't necessarily massive. Some scholars, they say, he wasn't massive in terms of having massive biceps or big shoulders or traps or quads and all this stuff. Rather, he was someone that had great courage. Now coming back to this point here, what kind of ilm did Talut have? The scholars differ in opinion. Some say, الْمُرَادُ بِالْعِلْمِ عِلْمُ الْحَرْبِ Some said, الْمُرَادُ بِالْعِلْمِ عِلْمُ الْحَرْبِ that the knowledge that Talut had was the knowledge of warfare. But however, um, Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi alayhi, after quoting this op- opinion, he then says, وَهَذَا تَخْسِيسُ الْعُمُومِ مِنْ غَيْرِ دَلِيلٍ That here we are narrowing down his knowledge only to warfare when it's possible that his knowledge may be way beyond that, the details of which we're not, we aren't aware of. What we do know, زَادَهُ بَسْطَةً فِي الْعِلْمِ that Allah increased him in knowledge. So Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi alayhi, it's as if he's saying that I prefer not to expand, uh, to narrow something down that has been left general and open by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Waqila, and some scholars have said, Zadahu Bastatan fil ilm, they said, Al ilm, ziyadatul ilmi bi an awhallahu ilayhi. Wa ala hada kana talut nabiyan. Some scholars have said, that Allah increased him in knowledge, what this means is that Allah revealed revelation to him. And according to this position, Talut is now considered to be a, a Nabi and a Prophet. However, according to majority of the scholars, Talut is not considered as a Prophet. Those who claim he's a Prophet, they claim he was granted revelation. How do they claim he's granted revelation? Because Talut, when speaking to his people, فَلَمَّا فَصَلَ طَالُوتُ بِالْجُنُودِ قَالَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مُبْتَلِيكُمْ بِنَهَرِ He said a statement which seemed as if it could have only reached him through revelation. He made a statement which we'll discuss ahead. He said to the people, إِنَّ اللَّهَ مُبْتَلِيكُمْ بِنَهَرِ فَلَمَّا فَصَلَ طَالُوتُ بِالْجُنُودِ When Talut did march with his army, he said, 
Indeed, Allah is going to test you with a river. So therefore, from this they deduced that Talut was a prophet of Allah. However, the ulama, they respond back by saying that um, this was not, I, this, there are two possibilities. Either this statement that Allah is going to test them with a nahar was something that Shamweel told him alayhi salam that Allah had revealed on Shamweel alayhi salam. So Shamweel was the Nabi. Shamweel alayhi salam received this knowledge from Allah. He passed it on to Talut. And then Talut was the one who spoke to the army. إِنَّ اللَّهَ مُبْتَلِيكُمْ بِنَهَرْ أَخْبَرَهُ نَبِيُّهُ الشَّمْوِيلِ بِالْوَحِي هِنَ أَخْبَرَ طَالُوتِ قَامَهُ بِهَادَ Okay, so that's the, uh, that's the explanation to this. Now some scholars they say, not some scholars, some people. It's something that I mentioned earlier. And I want to come back to it and spend a few moments here. That leadership is inherited. Some people, what, what have they said? Leadership is inherited. Some sort of a monarchy. That one person, and the only person that can be a leader after them is their son-in-law or their son, and then that person's son, and then that person's son. And unfortunately, in Islamic history, they have been people who have claimed this as a centerpiece in their theology. There are people who have claimed this as a centerpiece in their theology, that imama belongs to the family members of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Only that person can be a successor who is related through blood. Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi rahmatullahi alayhi addresses this issue. He says, هَذِهِ الْآيَةُ تَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ بُطْلَانِ قَوْلِ مَنْ يَقُولُ إِنَّ الْإِمَامَ مَوْرُوثَةٌ إِنَّ الْإِمَامَ مَوْرُوثَةٌ Imam al-Razi says this statement is a clear proof against the falsehood of the statement that leadership is inherited. وَذَلِكَ لِأَنَّ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ أَنْكَرُوا أَنْ يَكُونَ مَلِكُهُمْ مَنْ لَا يَكُونَ مِنْ بَيْتِ الْمَمْلَكَةِ And this is because Banu Israel refused to accept Talut as their leader originally because he was not from the house of the kings. He was not from the house of their leaders. فَأَعْلَمَهُمُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ أَنَّ هَذَا سَاخِطٌ وَالْمُسْتَحِقُّ لِذَٰلِكَ مَنْ خَصَّهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ بِذَٰلِكَ وَهُوَ نَذِيرُ قَوْلُهُ تَعَالَىٰ تُؤْتِ الْمُلْكَ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتَنْزِعُ الْمُلْكَ مِمَّنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ بِيَدِكَ الْخَيْرِ إِنَّكَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ In this last statement, Imam Razi says that dominion and kingdom goes to the one that Allah chooses. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an on what basis we should appoint our leaders. وَزَادَهُ بَسْطَطًا فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْجِسْمِ Leadership isn't given because someone is born through someone's family. Leadership is something that a person acquires through knowledge. It's something that a person acquires through proving themselves able of being, uh, being a leader. As for the two things that Banu Israel pointed out, that he was... That, were the, that, were their, that was the base of their claim why he wasn't uh, worthy of leadership, that he was not أَنَّهُ لَيْسَ مِنْ أَهْلِ بَيْتِ الْمُلْكِ وَأَنَّهُ فَقِيرٌ That he was not from the family of any sort of leaders and he was a poor person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it very clear that the two characteristics they pointed out were meaningless and the two characteristics Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pointing towards are very meaningful. Look at the Sahaba radhwanallahi alayhi majma'in, Khulafar Rashidun in particular. Were they appointed, were any of the Khulafa Rashidun appointed to their positions because of wealth? Otherwise, Uthman should have been the first Khalifa. He was wealthy. He was from a family and a tribe that was known for leadership. Uthman is from Banu Umayyah, a clan that was known for leadership. He was a person that we refer to as Uthman Ghani, someone that was very wealthy. 
But Uthman did not contest against Abu Bakr Siddiq saying that I'm more worthy of Khilafah because I'm wealthier and I come from a greater lineage. Rather, he accepted Abu Bakr Siddiq for who he was. This man is a man of merit. He accepted Umar as Khalifa for who he was. He was a man of merit, a person that held something in him. Now, in the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when highlighting the two characteristics that Talut did possess, Allah says, وَزَادَهُ بَسْطَةً فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْجِسْمِ Note here the tartib of the sifat that Allah has. Allah doesn't say, وَزَادَهُ بَسْطَةً فِي الْجِسْمِ وَالْعِلْمِ Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَزَادَهُ بَسْطَةً فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْجِسْمِ Allah increased him um, in knowledge and in in strength. Didn't say strength first and then knowledge second. وَهَذَا مِنْهُ تَعَالَى تَنْبِيهُنَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْفَضَائِلَ النَّفْسَانِيَةَ أَعْلَىٰ وَأَشْرَفُ وَأَكْمَلُ مِنْ فَضَائِلِ الْجِسْمَانِيَةَ This is an indication that, um, that the spiritual, the internal characteristics are more honorable, they are more meaningful, more virtuous than the uh, physical uh, um, attributes that a person may carry. Now, Banu Israel, as I mentioned before, the main reason why they were pointing fingers at Talut for being their leader, first of all, they had this ego issue where they felt that no one from a clan other than, their, than, the, than, the, than the most elite clan should be their leader. They had a very tough time with this. And this, by the way, was a common problem with so many of the followers of the prophets that came in the past. So many people, including Sayyidina Muhammad The Quraysh had a tough time accepting the Prophet as, the, as a Prophet because they felt that if they accepted Sayyidina Muhammad as a leader, they were admitting to another clan being virtuous and being greater than theirs. And this really hurt them at the core. The second thing was Banu Israel had a very tough time with actually following through with their commitment. And many times before they had said, let's go to war, let's go to war. But when push came to shove, they would back off. And this is why the Prophet said in a hadith, لا تتمنوا لقاء العدو that don't ask Allah to let you meet the enemy. Wasarullah al-Afiyah. Rather, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for safety. Ask Allah to protect you. But if Allah does decree that you meet your enemy, then what do you do? Stand firm. Stand strong. Don't ask Allah for the calamity. Don't ask Allah for the difficulty. But if the difficulty does come, you stand firm, you stand strong. Sadaqa Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.